Hello there. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good. Long time no talk. I know. It's been a while. I'm sure the people are wondering where, where our episodes are. Yeah. I assume that no one cares, but uh, when we go too long, people ask me things on Twitter. So yeah, yeah. some people care. Mm-hmm. That's a good problem to have. Yeah. yeah, I like that. That's nice. Yep. So we should uh, record a podcast. Yeah, let's do it. I think there's been a lot going on. Obviously, we had, I think, good reason for missing the last few. Lots of uh, life changes and stuff happening. So this could be a life changes and and sickness. Yeah, that too. We were close like once or twice that didn't didn't quite get there because of illness. Yep, totally. Let's talk about what's new. Yeah, you want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, so uh, I got a job. A job. Yep. I am working for the man again. <laughs> All right. How does it feel? Um, it feels mostly pretty good, actually. So far, I'm getting sort of what I hoped out of it, which is structure and people and team interaction and that sort of thing. A- and new problems and a distance from problems too, where it's like, oh yeah, these are there are things there are things we have to do, but it's not subsuming my life. So I'm working for a company called Mackie, and uh, Mackie makes a note-taking app for hedge funds. Oh, interesting. So it's kind of like Evernote for hedge funds. Okay. What makes it unique to the hedge fund problem space? I'm intrigued. Some things that I'm still learning. So I'm still getting my head around the product. Uh, But there are things like the app has a connection to databases of public companies, for example. So if you're talking about a particular stock, let's say, in a note, uh, it will automatically notice that. And if you hover it, you'll get some information about that company, that sort of thing. Got it. So I've been there for what, not even three weeks, I guess. And so I I think there will be more than that. But it's actually kind of interesting to me how much it is mostly just a note-taking app that's sort of niched down into this particular thing. Is this a classic startup, like raise some funding and has a smallish team that they're growing? Or like what stage is this company at? So it's a bootstrap company. There are about 20 people. I think it's five years old or so. The CEO uh, started as an analyst at a hedge fund and didn't like the tools he had, so decided to start one. Nice. Yeah. It's a stable company, post-product market fit, growing and all those, all that good stuff? That's, that's what it seems like, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I think product market fit is definitely there. And stability seems to be there, although, you know, it's a little hard to tell for sure. Sure. But seems, yep. seems good. Not that it would be like the end of the world if like you took a job at a company and then, you know, eight months later they ran out of funding and like worst case you would just go pick up another job or something. But right, exactly. it's just a, it's a story that I hear quite often when we're like interviewing folks in the area who have kind of been working for startups for a while and they're... It, they do get like kind of tired of the the roller coaster of like yeah we were supposed to have this grand team we were building and then as it turns out I got laid off you know <laughs> mm. yeah so no I think it's it feels post that phase which is nice uh, dev team is like seven developers I think mm-hmm. it's a good size it's not too big but it's big enough that there are interesting things happening stack wise it's it's kind of it's kind of a really good fit for me technologically which is a big appeal so the app started as a Rails app with Angular uh, as on the front end. And then there's sort of basically two big projects in process right now, which is rewriting or ripping out big pieces of the Rails app to turn into Haskell and ripping out big pieces of the Angular to turn into Elm code. Interesting. Yeah. 
those are intriguing technologies for me too. Like obviously we've talked a lot about Elm and functional programming and, and all the good things that come from that. But I'm curious uh, if you have like backstory on how that decision was made to abandon Rails because I, when I hear note-taking app, I'm like, that that sounds like classic good fit for Rails, like standard CRUD stuff and and all the productivity benefits that come from that. So do you have like an inside take on on what the thinking was? Um, I wasn't there for that, so I don't know much of it, or all, all I know is sort of hearsay. My impression is that the Rails app was kind of your classic like prototype turned real product thing, mm-hmm. where everyone thought like, oh, like this this might not work, and we just got to go fast and such. And so the Rails app accumulated a lot of tech debt, and so I think the Haskell and I think the Angular as well, and, and so I think the Haskell move and the Elm move were sort of motivated by that where it's like well this is kind of bad we have to rewrite we probably will will want to rewrite bits of this anyway static type systems might help us make this code more correct and more maintainable uh let's try let's try that have they had trouble finding people who want to work in these languages or is this kind of like riding a wave of people interest like the i guess like a good subset of developers who are solid devs and interested in these technologies do you feel like it's been a difficult sell for them no, I don't think so. I think the interesting technologies have been a big draw for people. Yeah. Vanilla Rails app, not super interesting. I don't think I would have joined if the opportunity to write Haskell and Elm weren't there on the table. And they had recently just hired before me, a few months before me, uh, two other Haskellers who both seem very strong to me. So I think the use a slightly more interesting technology approach has probably helped with hiring a good bit there. That's good. That's That's encouraging because... For things I do in the future, like like there's two sides of me that are kind of pulling in the opposite direction. One is like use technologies that you know well and you know that there's a large base of people who are very proficient in them. But the other side of the the coin is like there's something intriguing for me as a technologist to work on technologies that are a bit newer and more interesting. And I think my hypothesis is that there's an interesting recruiting angle there of like being able to find some some really top notch people who have feel the same way. Yeah, I actually feel like for all my side project type things, I always have that push pull where it's like uh, there's things I know very well that I know I would, I would be productive in, but there are things I also want to learn. So is this side project for learning or is it for getting done quickly or like start it up quickly? So, it's it's tricky. Is there a particular like web framework for Haskell that they're using? I don't think so yet. So the approach has been a little atypical, I would say. The Haskell stuff is currently being extracted into mostly command line tools that the Rails app then kind of shells out into. Uh, okay. Yep. So as far as I know, there's no Haskell web framework yet. Got it. Um, I think there is support for that. But as of today, the Rails app is kind of like a wrapper around some uh, a coordinating, just like a coordinating layer. Exactly. Um, interesting. It's, it's different. We'll see yeah. how it works out. Mm-hmm. And personally, so you've been um, obviously commuting into an office, so it's been a, a different change in pace. Are you finding that to be kind of in line with what you were anticipating, which is like a good, healthy thing for your for your mental state and just your overall happiness with your work? Yeah, totally. Just doing stuff with people is so my jam compared to doing my own thing. It feels like such a better fit. It's bittersweet to some extent, and it's it was hard to give up all that freedom you and I recording in the middle of the day podcasts or meeting people uh, at random hours for lunch or things like that. That was really fun. Uh, so it's hard to have a more set schedule. 
the net upshot of it to me feels pretty positive. Yeah, and I think it's a cautionary thing for people who sort of like romanticize the the being independent or being indie or whatever. Like like those are strong benefits, but you also have to know yourself well enough to know like what the time you're actually spending working is going to probably be the dominant thing you spend your time on on any given day. And so while it's nice to have the flexibility, you have to make sure that it's also in line with with how you work best. And it's easy to forget about that, you know. Definitely. And it's it's telling to me that like our last episode with Sherry, she wrote a whole book and has is building a whole business around how mentally challenging it is to start and run companies yourself. I imagine there are books uh, about mm, the mental challenge of working a job, but probably not as much. I feel like the stress level is just different. Yeah. 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 So then it's just a matter of like making sure that you are, since you have less flexibility to work on the things you want to be working on, it's just making sure that you're picking the right fit. And I think, you know, fortunately, we're in an industry where it's sort of on the, the side of the developer to kind of have their pick if you're experienced and, you know, in the industry. So mm-hmm. totally. It's a nice. good it's a good life. Yep, it is. Even the the not so good jobs are still pretty good. It seems like. Yeah, that's how I feel, too. Yeah. So what does this mean for code quality challenge, refactoring rails and some of your other projects? It's a good question. I'm not totally sure. Knowing me, if I'm not paying a lot of attention to them, the default is nothing. Like the default is they basically just quietly, nothing happens to them. I've never been amazing at doing stuff at nights and weekends. The optimist in me is like, oh, I could still run code quality challenge cohorts or something. It's like, yeah, and maybe I will. I don't know. We'll see. I do have these nice valuable email lists. So it's like I could try to sell a cohort of the code quality challenge. I would say that's that's one possible option. It's actually a decent amount of work, even with content kind of pre-written to do it well. So I've had a couple people ping me about it. And so I'm thinking about just like trying to slap a price tag on it and see what would happen. I don't know is the answer, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'll figure it out. Yeah. It's it's lower priority now, as uh, obviously, as you would imagine. Moving back into sort of the realm of an, of an employee, does this change any of goals you might have had about like personal brand stuff or like putting stuff out there like does this shift your focus at all or just kind of move that to the back seat or it kind of depends on how i feel about haskell after using it in anger mm, yeah uh, because i've always loved teaching the things i'm learning and i'm learning a bunch about haskell right now but i don't have a fully formed opinion of it so i'm kind of hoping that haskell is awesome and i love it and if so i think i will pretty quickly want to start giving talks about it somehow somewhere or teaching it in some fashion that's probably the most likely like next step that concerns personal branding and things like that. I don't want to go try to sell people on something that I don't really know about. So I feel like I'm in exploration mode right now. And that's what, that's where my, I think my best content comes from is distilling it down from a lot of experience with it. Mm-hmm. After you go through this for a while, you're not going to be struggling to find like interesting things to share about it. It's just going to pour out of you because <laughs> you've been deep in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So I expect more updates there. I spent all of Thursday and Friday kind of writing and reading and pairing on Haskell. And it's got some pretty awesome brain bender, mind expander stuff going on. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. <laughs> um, it's it's pretty awesome that way. I told the person I was pairing with at one point, I was like, I feel a little bit like we're slacking off because of how interesting this is. <laughs> where, yeah. Like we were like kind of chasing down this thing. And we, we, we went into a little bit of a rabbit hole 
but it was just kind of like, well, this this is work relevant research that I'm learning about right now and like building my Haskell intuition and things like that. It felt like play at the time. It was really cool. That, that, and that takes me back to like the first time I really started doing professional software development after being just a, a hobbyist for many years. And it took a while to wrap my head around the fact that like I'm actually getting paid to do this work because I'm just having a lot of fun, you know? Totally. Yep. Yeah. I had the company order me a couple different Haskell books. And it's like just just that 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 fact alone. It's like we're gonna buy you a book and then you can read it, and that's like part of your job. It's just like that's pretty awesome too. Like I'm just expanding my brain and getting better at a thing, and it just so happens that the thing I want to learn is aligned with your business goals. So you'll pay me to do it. It's 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 a wonderful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's definitely a win-win there. Well, here's to never stagnating and continuing learning in our field. I'm a big proponent of that, and I you see folks who kind of get to midway through their software careers and sort of get in a rut on like, this is the, my technology stack and this is all I this is all I care to know now and I'm not going to deviate from this and I hope to never get to that place where I feel like I want to stop learning, you know? Totally. I had been in kind of the Rails world for a while and so I was starting to feel a little bit of that. It's simultaneously fun, but also, or like, it's interesting, but it's also painful to drop into a new ecosystem, language, technology, whatever where it's like, oh, man, I, I was so productive and knowledgeable about this thing. And now I am like, so not. There is some pain there. But I feel like that's one of those pains you have to be okay with if you want to work in technology and stay relevant. Yeah, there's always going to be a learning curve. And given it sufficient time to get up to speed with it, it, if you've picked the right technology, you achieve the level of productivity you had before, and you're better off because there's you know other pros to using the new tech. So, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. I just, I, I, it's another reason I feel lucky to work in technology or in, in development is because my attention span and like the thing I'm interested in is, is, is new generally. Like I, I like the steep parts of learning curves generally. And so the fact that I can kind of do that professionally and it's actually a useful thing as opposed to a, a negative is, is awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's plenty to do that I that I know how to do as well. So the Rails app, uh, as I said, is is kind of tech daddy. So there's plenty mm-hmm. of uh, Ruby refactoring to do. <laughs> I think so. someone uh, someone wrote a, a book on that or uh, did a course on that. So you could check that out. <laughs> yes, yeah, that, that that played into my interview, as you would imagine. <laughs> yeah, that's um, cool. So it's it's a nice match for my for my skills and my interests, which is is awesome. Yeah, that's cool. So um, that's a little bit about me. What is going on with you? Yeah, so some big big changes are happening with me. This has sort of been brewing for the the last few weeks, and obviously given it a lot of thought. But the time is here for me to to move on from Drip. Um, what? No. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is the first I'm hearing about this. <laughs> it still feels weird uh, weird to say. When I look back and count the years, I've been there just over five years now, which is, you know a pretty long run in our technology world. So, and I've been, you know, there from day one, wrote all the code for, for the first nine months. So there's definitely like a an emotional component to it and just that kind of the inertia of like, I know this is the right time, but still it's it's tough to to actually flip the switch on it, you know? It feels like the right time for many reasons. We're entering kind of our next phase of, focus in the business. You know, the rebrand came out and we're 
we're pushing deep into sort of the e-commerce world. Uh, we're calling ourselves an ECRM, which is a bold move. Everything's kind of moving in the right direction. Uh, the business is growing. Uh, our technology team is growing. We have great leaders in place. And we're really in a great position to to sort of really start going going after our pretty aggressive growth goals. And I really feel like, you know, the, the team is there to, to make that happen. And meanwhile, like my my position has morphed over the last five years from deep in like individual contributor and maker mode into more of like uh, sort of higher level providing leadership and guidance to my team. And that's been a great, great experience. And I've learned a ton doing it. But I think we kind of all go through these cycles in our careers where there's more time leading and then more time doing. And I think, you know, I feel like now is the time for me to to get back to doing um, a bit more. I mean, congrats just for that tenure and success. Yeah, and thank all you. That. Thanks. It's totally respectable to hang up the spurs after that ride. You're going out on top, in my mind. I w- always wanted it, hoped it would be this way where like, it was hard to picture because even even 12 months ago, I was pretty deeply in like a critical piece of the puzzle, I would say. And you know, I think it it would come out in times where I would talk about what it's like coming back from vacation and having a mountain of work on my plate. And, you know, really what that means is I haven't appropriately delegated to the point where I'm not a bottleneck for people, you know? That's definitely one of my biggest weak spots and something that I've I've learned a lot about over the past five years and and how to do better at it is is delegating and not being a bottleneck for people. Rewind back that far, it was hard for me to imagine ever getting to the place where you know, I felt like the team was sufficient and could keep moving the ball forward without my direct involvement. But but here we are. And I, I really feel like we're we're in that place. So it feels good. That's awesome. I have I have no doubt that you would not step away until that was true. You know, when you start something and it's your baby, you want to leave it in the best possible state when you move on. Yeah, of course. So, so were you CTO of Drip? Was that your title? Is it your title currently? Oh, my technical title is VP of Engineering. Well, this is kind of an interesting topic too. Like where Rob and I founded the company, we're both technical, but I led, really led the technical side of, of things, especially as we built out the team, you know, we both have interest in product things too. Like it's not always the case that the engineering side is also directly involved in sort of the product development side. And so we sort of like shared, shared a lot of responsibilities and have continued to do that, but it is interesting that as the team has grown, we now have, I think, 18-ish developers, if you count designers, back-end developers, DevOps, all those roles. Just given the the scaling challenges we have ahead of us to continue to scale the platform as we bring on ever larger customers, it's going to call for probably many more engineers and just a lot of deep, challenging decisions to be made. I think that calls for a level of experience beyond what I have to to lead the technical side too. So we've been looking for a while for sort of experienced top executive talent as as a CTO for the company. And we do have someone who will be starting actually next month. So that's been a long process. I got to know him, you know, about a year ago, and he's been sort of advisory to the company for a while. And so I feel really uh, really good about that because it's been like a sort of a slow dating process uh, between the company and him and not like a 
you know, in desperation, hiring the first person who has the qualifications we need. Can you talk about who the person is? Or are you waiting on that? Um, I'm not sure if that's fully public yet, actually. Okay. But um, maybe next time. Yeah, maybe next time. It'd be interesting to chat about how you went about, like, kind of interviewing and getting to know this person. Yeah, yeah. I think I could dive into that more once I'm once I'm confident. It's it's all uh, public. Okay. So, uh, what are you gonna do? <laughs> that is the that is the logical next question, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. So I think I think I'm actually not going to go into that too much today. So my my last day with Drip is actually one day after this episode goes live. So next next Friday. And by that time, I would like to have sort of a narrative crafted around what I am most interested in working on next. And I say most interested because my mind is not 100% made up that what I what I have in my gut that I want to work on is what I'm actually going to do. Um, because I'm trying to be as practical about it as possible and make sure that I've gotten sufficient confidence from, you know, doing some customer development and talking to folks and validating that my assumptions are correct. So right as I transition out, I want to really start like aggressively having conversations with folks and, and I want my first introduction of this to be kind of well composed. And so what I'm thinking about is, is basically a post that I will put up on my website and we'll sort of lay the, the groundwork for the case to be made for what I want to work on next. And, and then I want there to be a sort of a call to action to let me know if this is interesting to you. And obviously, I would love to have conversations with anyone who, who wants to uh, talk to me about it. So, hmm. so you're going to post a manifesto, basically. Yeah, that's sort of what I'm thinking. Nice. That's cool. I think it makes sense to um, take advantage of your media bump that you will probably get mm-hmm. as you announce your, your last day. Yeah. That's sort of what, and I think like a lot of people are going to be wondering, that's sort of the natural next question is like, you know, you've had a long run at Drip. What are you doing now? So uh, very excited, obviously scared. It's, I'm sort of going through what you went through the last, uh, you know, what was it? Eight months ago or whenever like, you made the, yeah, 10 months, something, 10 months when you made the leap of, of no income. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's, but that's like, good. didn't you sell a company not too long ago? Yeah, and that's I mean, and that's really the what I have to keep telling myself and my, what my wife keeps telling me. She's good at reminding me of the, about this. Like, this is the whole reason why we did this is so that eventually I could start my next thing and not have to cram it into nights and weekends. You know, and that was that was part of the part of the calculus of like why why sell drip. You know, what are what are my goals? And I knew that nights and weekends for me is just not something that I want to continue doing. Uh, forever you know it, it worked well for for code tree code tree happened as a nights and weekends project on the side it was probably four or five months after i got married so that was a big that was a big ask for my partner to say like okay now now all this time that we were planning and spending together i actually want to uh, start working on a side business <laughs> and i'm glad that i'm you know blessed with the opportunity to not not have to do that and to just take the risk, take the leap and and try something without income. Pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, the rule on this podcast is that only one of us can have a job at the same time, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got it. 
So that's perfect. I, I appreciate you taking out the slack and providing the uh, entrepreneurial stories as I <laughs> take a job. Yeah, no, no worries. The timing is kind of hilariously perfect, actually. It is, yeah. Kind of lined up nicely. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll still have our split of tales from different types of trenches. Yep, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be great. That's awesome. So on your last day, will Drip go ahead and move your uh, accounts back to a paid plan? So you have to pay for all your, <laughs> your stuff? That's a good question. I don't, um, I don't know. I'm just going to see how, how long I can, I can ride on my, my Compt account. <laughs> it is, it's, it's weird. So I was, I was going through, you know, in, the, in these last final weeks, sort of the administrative tasks required as you transition away from a company. And one of it was sort of assembling all the credentials and logins for all the things that I have access to and passing those along so that our our ops people can can either like update the email address or just change the password on it and you know as as it's diligent to do. And so just knowing that like I'm assembling all these accounts that I remember, you know, fondly setting up 4 years ago and and administering for all these years and just knowing that like, yeah, my access will be revoked within a matter of days from these things. It's for some reason that was like a, I know I'm going to hit these points where like kind of brings up a little nostalgia or just those types of feelings. And, uh, and I definitely got hit with that when I was scraping out all my credentials. So <laughs> totally. Yeah. I definitely had that experience with when I left ThoughtBot with like a week would go by and then all of a sudden this one thing would happen and I go, Oh my God, I'm never going to X again. And it was like, wow, that's, yeah, it's, it's crazy how that works. I'll always have to go into Drip through the front door now and not through the uh, <laughs> admin console. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Um, you better steal a bunch of coupon codes before you. It's too late. Oh, yeah. Coupon codes. I got to steal some trail mix from the, um, from the <laughs> kitchenette. <laughs> yep, exactly. LaCroix. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of logins, I, every so often I, I still find like random old ThoughtBot related things that still work. <laughs> um, yeah. So, ThoughtBotter's listening. I'll never tell you what I have access to. <laughs> Little do they know you've been mining Bitcoin on their AWS yeah, account right. for. <laughs> yep, exactly. There's so many accounts. You know, like when someone signs up or leaves, it's just like there's just a million little piece like bits you have to remember to to flip. I know. Seriously, I mean, I, I look at my one password thing, and I have like 780 logins in there, uh -huh. and a good chunk of those. I mean, a certain slice of those are for drip so it's it's quite a bit when you add them all up. yeah you have me just beat i have 768 oh man yeah well you go back a while yeah i know what did we do without password managers you know oh my god that was what yeah i have no <laughs> idea i mean i use the same password everywhere like most people uh, yeah mm -hmm. it was it was terrible they got all the important things but yeah every so often i'm like oh i still have access to a random code climate instance I forgot right. about this or something. Yeah. Yeah. I've got like, you know, all the integrations we've built. Like, I have a bunch of Shopify test accounts and Gumroad test accounts and stuff that are like, you know, no one actually needs these to use these and they're free accounts, anyways. But like, I should probably go through and shut them down or just delete the login. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There, there are things I need to just update email addresses on because I use my ThoughtBot email address yep. to sign up for it. Yeah. Wow. Well, an era is ending. I know. Yeah. I'm excited though. Overall, like it's a little, you know, it's bittersweet for sure. I'm going to miss working with my team and um, shout out to Taylor, who I know listens to this podcast. <laughs> oh, the other question folks were asking me is like, so, so you're moving back to California, right? And 
the answer for now is actually like I'm enjoying it in Minneapolis. It's a great community here. And so we're, we're sticking around for a little while. Um, wow. You're saying this in the dead of winter too. I know, right? It's pretty hardcore. I feel hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Boston would welcome you with open arms. I do need to make a trip out to Boston. Um, you should. I meant to do that. Well, geez, I probably talked about it last year. And then I think last May I was thinking about coming out and it just mm-hmm. never ended up working. But I, uh, I really like showing people around the city. So I would be happy to be your guide. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna, let's get something on the calendar for sure. Okay. Sounds good, man. Yeah. Well, pretty good announcement. So I think next time maybe we should talk a little bit more about your future stuff. Uh, and also do a quarterly goals check-in. Sounds good. Cool. So you're you're on notice for one week. Okay. All right. I will try to right. get my get my act together. Me too. <laughs> I got I got some work to do. <laughs> yeah. I got a job though. So hey, one one goal down. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I'm, I'm at least a thirty three percent complete. <laughs> nice. Nice. Cool. Well, it's nice talking to you. Let's not wait so long to talk again. Yeah. Let's let's not. Great to talk to you as well. All right. If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Uh, postlude? Um, I got one thing. Sh- sure. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, okay. Um, Steve, uh, Steve and I, Steve Sugar and I have a call scheduled for uh, next week. Nice. Um, t- to talk about uh, a logo for us. Awesome. Very good. You still down with spending a little money on that? I am. Um, right, cool. I actually, so I'll, I'll go ahead and divulge this too, because who cares? I, I, um, I always want to get my like identity established for any project I'm working on. And mm-hmm. I know that these things take time anyways to kind of come together. So I've already been in contact with Steve to uh, do a little branding identity work for my new project. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a great um, call. I, I working with Steve is awesome. I think that's a that was a solid idea. Yeah, his his work is just mind blowing on on Twitter and all his all his design tips. Um, yeah, he's it's definitely it's definitely working well for him. I think to establish his authority as a designer um, for sure. It w- worked on me. So <laughs> yeah, and he's just a nice, super nice guy. We had a, we had a good yeah. chat. Um, yeah, and so. he was super cool with me too when I was working on the code quality challenge. Um, I gave him like kind of a, a somewhat aggressive deadline where I was trying to because I had announced on the podcast when in the the signups would open or, or something, mm-hmm. and he he worked over the weekend to hit that, and it was just I really appreciated it. Nice, yeah, yeah. So he's he's a good guy. Yep. Cool. Well, I'm ex- yeah, I'm excited for our podcast to get a little little facelift too. Yeah, exactly. It's man, wow. He's worked on my stuff and then your stuff and then the, our mutual stuff. Mm-hmm. We're designed by Steve Sugar. In- <laughs> yeah. Canada somewhere. Yep. Cool. Okay. I think that's all I have for that are, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. All right. I got to go check on, uh, I'm, I'm making a, a pasta dish that involves stewing some things for a long time. And I think it's time mm. to, uh, to check on it. That sounds like it's going to be amazing. Yeah. It's like this short rib, um, oh, taglatelli pasta. Say no more. Yeah. Anything that you good. cook low and slow turns delicious. It's just, it it's does. like cheating. So that fair. is the origin of flavor right there. Yeah. And tenderness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Well, I do not want to ruin your short ribs. Yeah, I, I better go check on them. All right. All right. Good chatting. Good chatting with you, too. See you in, uh, uh, same time next time? I think so. 
Um, I think so too. I'll, I'll just I'll just check my Let's calendar see. while we're live on the air. Let's just see. Now this is good radio. <laughs> I know this is riveting stuff. Like uh-huh. this is why people stick around for the postlude. Um, yeah, I think tentatively let's let's put it in and then yeah. All right, I just sent I sent you that. Um, cool. All right, cool. All right, enjoy your day. All right, you too, man. See ya. Love, love you. Bye.